I'm here with my friend Michael. How's it going? We were just at San Quentin. Uh, he's part of the basketball team there and softball team. He's part of the softball team now. We are so fired up about being Christians, man. San Quentin is changing. It is awesome. You should have been there with us. We are on fire. What touched you about tonight? We just sat in a room full of convicted felons for various reasons, sharing the love of Jesus, all based on relationships built through sports. It was a place packed full of inmates from diverse backgrounds. One of them was a Muslim giving glory to Jesus with tears in his eyes. Yeah. He didn't use the word Jesus, but he just about did. He introduced Don. Oh, man. And he had tears in his eyes of how much Don Smith means to him. Don Smith. Man, this place was so diverse from everywhere. And they were all talking about Jesus. All of them. Yeah. Three hours. Three oh. hours of, and, and no, there was none of that Bay Area, you know, like, uh, you know, don't say Jesus. None of that. This was the proclamation of Jesus with passion. Everybody was fired up. People were coming, coming on stage. They were excited about Jesus. They would then ask somebody else, who else is excited, excited about Jesus? And there was a line to get up on stage to share about it. So Don Smith was honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award. And I tell you, uh, really, that was more meaningful than the Lifetime Achievement Awards they give in Hollywood, although there's much more glimpse and glimmer there. Man, I tell you, the real deal was there. Yeah. And you could see the affirmation. 23 years ago, he came to the prison shaking and trembling because it's kind of scary. Yeah. And saw a sea of men... In blue. Which um, I can appreciate. Because I remember the first time I went up. As I got closer to prison. I started thinking. Oh no. Oh no. What have I got myself into? And ten minutes into being there. Surrounded by the inmates. You realize very quickly. How excited the inmates are. For you to be there. And then you start doing the devotion. And you start talking about Jesus. And the inmates become brothers to you really yeah that's it no no they, they feel like they're my brothers and if I don't come up here I feel like I've missed my friends yeah. and it was the same for me I walked in you know you're all disoriented you're all intimidated and you're thinking the plan's gonna have to be on your good behavior yeah <sighs> and it is so different no place I not and we'll all say it I have never had more fun playing basketball yeah. anywhere anywhere such camaraderie and they they can play yeah and they are competitive i mean we're killing each other like me and my brother chris used to do <laughs> only they, they nobody they, there's so much respect yeah it's just it's, we're worshiping a, jesus we pretend we're playing basketball we're really worshiping jesus yeah and it, it's a battle and and they're going at you and you're going at them and nobody's taking the coward way out and Oh, they want to win. Out a foul. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if somebody's calling out a foul, it is, it is a heavy hard contact thing. It's 
you're well, they got the it. rest there. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Don came in 23 years ago, and it was really different clim- a climax, climate, climate, spiritually. Yeah. It was angry. It was fighting. It was disrespectful. And he heard this voice that said, what a beautiful place to do ministry. Yeah. And he's invested his, you know, 20, 23 years there. And um, he was this this little, you know, uh, catalyst. He shared this story how it, um, early on, um, two inmates after the game, they were upset, um, you know, passing and play. And they started talking trash to each other and then it started escalating they were going to start to fight and he's like no this this can't happen and he said he looked over at the big center and he was hoping he would intervene but they, he's like if these guys fight you know this isn't the spirit we're bringing and they're going to stop our program yeah. and little old Don who's like 5'10 probably 5'11 at uh, five, okay yeah 5 yeah that was generous 5'8 yeah, cause, I'm, cause I'm six one. <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, 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 uh, steps between them. <laughs> yes. And uh, says, no, we're not going to do this. And it's so, it's like it's like your little mom, you know. She might be little, but she looks you in the eyes. And there's so much authority. She just stops you in her tracks. You know, the inmates calm down. And uh, I just look at that, those little seeds that have grown into this mighty tree. Sport team after sport team have come in. Oh man, this one inmate was sharing, and he just ran a marathon. So you, and you could tell he was high on, on 26 mile endorphins. Um, they train all year. Um, it's called the Thousand Mile Club. I think it's because they'll probably end up running a thousand miles over the year. And they train up for a marathon. And man, the physical discipline that brings spiritual transformation. And he was sharing, it was so moving about how, you know, um, how much it meant to his wife, who he doesn't see, but, you know, he talks with. She's not there uh, because she can see the joy in him and how his parents told him, you finally became the man we raised you to be. Yeah. And that, that hit me. It's like, Wow. That, that to me, that's the real deal. Forget the glitz, forget the, the, the cameras, forget the red carpet. That's a Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. Don, you're my hero. I love that. That's what I want to be like, doers. Yeah. Some guy joined a running club in prison and rediscovered and brought back who he really was to his family. They finally re- recognized the, the boy that they had raised. That's beautiful. That's just amazing. What was cool too? I don't know if you looked in the in the in the the program that they had there. One of the sports teams. Now all those sports teams up upstream to one guy, a a whole bunch of people. But Don Smith was one guy who chose to be obedient to a voice that he heard. Yes. And it's like, wow, what could happen? But one of the sports teams there, and he inspired all the others, and, and. tons of people are involved and organizations pro sports teams are involved donating we got the a's we got the giants we got the warriors we've got the uh the earthquakes we've got the 
San Francisco soccer team. We got a ton of teams. He, he brought in Draymond Green and Kevin Durant last year. They, two years ago. Okay. It, they, it all upstreams to simple act of obedience yeah. by an unassuming person who just heard God and said yes. Just amazing. Um, it was powerful. And the impact that those sports have. Yeah. Yep. All right. Hey, uh, pray. Pray. It, 2019, we want to see yeah. mass incarceration transformed. We want to see our system transformed. We want to see San Quentin become a model prison. Right now, our system is just training people to be lifetime criminals. It's heartbreaking. Yes. Um, we believe that Christians, with the presence of Jesus, can change that. And we believe that San Quentin is going to be a factory to restore men and it's going to be sending them back. Oh, in the program, this is what touched me. In the program, one of the sports teams said they have, over a course of, I don't know, five, ten years, they have zero recidivism for those who have been wow. on the team. They're they're doing it. It's the real yeah. deal, man. How crazy They're like that? family. They're, they're finding it. Man, sports. Wow. It's fun. We're believing that. I, I, I'm praying a bold prayer. If, if you're not praying prayers big enough that you need God to answer, you know, get saved. <laughs> you don't need a miracle. You don't need God. The miracle I'm asking for, I want to see a prison. I believe in San Quentin. Zero recidivism. Zero. 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 Wow. And it can become a model and it can transform our society. Yeah. And I, you know, if you don't believe me, I got someone bigger than me who believes in it. And he put so much skin in the game to prove to you what he believes. He sent his son and let him die. And then to prove to you that he can do anything, he raised him from the dead. Amen to that. Amen. Yep. It's as simple as that. Believing, listening. That's the other thing that really touched me about that. Now I'm audio recording this. Um, the other thing that touched me is um it was really coming up here meant something for me because um it restored my joy and reminded me how easy ministry is yeah it's not about making it all complicated it's just coming up here yeah. i like it blows me away every time i come i go like i can come up here and play basketball and it has so much impact. I just love playing basketball. Yeah. I mean, we tend to overcomplicate what ministry needs to be because we, we think it's got to be uh, this set of defined um, nonsense sometimes that it, <laughs> it, can't, it can't be something we enjoy. Men, ministry Define has to Defined nonsense. <laughs> It's got to be, you know, if, it, if we're enjoying it, is it really ministry? And I remember being on a missions trip in Honduras, uh, listening to somebody say the missions trips I had taken to the Philippines aren't really missions trips because I was just playing basketball and handing out Bible tracts to, to the local people. I said, well, but basketball was the means to pull these people in 
and we were playing in front of 100 people, 200 people, and then word got out, and in the same village, a day later, we were playing in front of 5,000 people that wanted to see the game and hear the message at halftime and talk to the believers after the game about what it was that brought them the joy. It's like, so why can't that be ministry? What's well, really We're spreading cool. the gospel is totally, yeah. Yeah, I loved your quote. I'm with you. <laughs> Organized nonsense. <laughs> no, that's in this, like, particularly at, at San Quentin. It's not, we don't go up there and play basketball so that at halftime we can do ministry. The impact comes through the relationships that are built. Yes. You know, and um, it really, I mean, I say it because that's kind of our language that, you know, we believe work is worship Mm -hmm. and that basketball sports were created by God. He gave us that joy. And as we do, we play unto him and you feel his joy and you feel his presence. One of the, one of the, one of the, I think it might've been Don said this and he goes, we were worshiping. We were worshiping. It is so much fun playing with them and the relationships that come out of that they're your friends and you just come you look at them you know you embrace them you're there and then yeah of course we share we preach boldly it's it's to me that's the funnest place to preach yeah (laughs) but now now the inmates preach to us Uh, yeah so we started letting them uh take some of the devotions this year in softball Uh, we at the start of the season we said if anyone is interested we'd be willing to give you guys two of the devotions this season they immediately got upset which we assumed was oh they think we're trying to pass the buck now but what they were really upset about was that it was going to be so difficult for them to figure out which two <laughs> got the honor of giving the doing the devotion when everyone on the team wanted to take on that opportunity. And so we just had to... We spent the second game the entire time that we were allowed to be in there after the game working out a system for the rest of the season on who got to speak when and we had to alter our schedule for our game days so that there was time for people to talk before the game started on top of the the, the always devotion after the game because once they got a taste of it they really wanted it and then so then we asked how long have you guys been wanting to do this? They said that they have been trying to figure out a way to ask us for over five years on how they could do it, but they thought that they weren't able to because we're the people from church. So then we had to spend an entire next game telling them that that's all rubbish. 
and that it doesn't matter who you are. It's about what you're talking about. So I was telling you about the prison in Argentina. And um, we'd have our international conferences there. Uh And we'd have leaders from, like, large, influential leaders, big companies, big, big churches from all over the world come down to Argentina to experience the The first thing we do is we'd send them to the prison, but not to minister, to be ministered to by the inmates. And they'd pray for them, they'd lay hands on them. And I tell you, it was so powerful. I love it. Lord, let it happen at same point. Just take that to the next level. Help them find their voice. That's what I really want to do. I want to help train, bring the gift that I have. For them to understand the power of intercession and the power of their voice. I mean, man, I'm just seeing that picture right now. They wanted to speak so much, and when you speak, you create that reality. Mm-hmm. But then sports are very unique. I mean, I, I think I learned something today like I never had before because I had seen the impact. I mean, one, it touches you to see how long so many people have been in there. Yeah. We're following them for a lifetime, you know. Um, But to see across the board, I mean, the place was packed, so there had to be, what, 400 people in there? I I would think, yeah. 300, 400. Yeah. So, you know, this is a good sliver of the population. That's like close to 10% of the prison population or more. and it, was, and it was representative of every ethnicity, easily, in there tonight. Yeah, yeah. Primarily people of color. Um, but yeah, but across, and to see, but to see how sports, so this wasn't just for elite athletes. Oh, yeah. There were so many people involved at in, 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 in different levels. And how, you know, the, um, the camaraderie, the teammanship, the family, the joint sacrifice uh-huh. that comes together, you know, the connection with the outsiders, like so many groups have brought in experts, yeah. um, like tennis pros to come in and teach lessons mm-hmm. and train the tennis team. But to see it as such a wide scale as a catalyst for change, that just hit me in a deep way that I never had before. I mean, I've kind of known it intellectually. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they've they cut out sports uh, or physical activity out of school because, you know, they got to train the brain. You know, you got to yeah. be competitive. And now they realize that was stupid. Their grades are going down. But to see it, the power of sports... Um, you know, as a metaphor for life, yeah, and to build that teammanship and to have such wide um, impact. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw at all where I was sitting with the uh, hard timers, uh, which is who we play softball against. But the guy who spoke, Rob, for the hard timers, uh, white bald guy. Yeah. Um, With a hat. Yeah. Where where he was sitting, uh, immediately.
experience for a long time. He, he's getting out pretty soon and will be in the, the very next X Games. He does indoor dirt bike flat track racing or something like that. Um, but our second to last softball game, uh, Goodyear had been up the day before to sign him to a sponsorship deal because he's elite at what he does. He got into St. Quentin after winning the gold or silver at X Games. Uh, he was at an, a VIP after party in one of the X Games location 10 things and a fight happened uh, and he almost beat a guy to death and that's how he ended up in St. Quentin so he's about to get out and will be in X Games again and it's just kind of fascinating like you just never look at him and think oh you're like the lead of what you do wow wow about that guy that was sharing about his journey of, uh, against cancer. Man, that was so profound. One of the yeah. volunteers shared about his journey of, of hearing, you know, getting the news that he's got cancer and it's stage four and it's yeah. pretty bad. And, uh, you know, sharing that as a metaphor, you know, for you know, he's got cancer. They they had a phone call, not from a doctor, but a visit from law enforcement, and their lives changed. And but you know, then he shared about what happened to him as a result. And said that cancer was uh, the best gift he'd ever received because before that he was coasting. Man, that just touched me. That's so powerful. I don't want to be coasting. Yeah. And to see what he really said, it wasn't like I was coasting. So I went out and, you know, go made a, made a whole lot of money. What really matters in life is people. And I wanted to go make an impact. And he was on a whole bunch of sports teams, right? It was, yeah, he, yeah. Was the, he was a runner. I think that was his primary thing, the 1,000 Mile Club. And then he says he's grateful that he still has, the cancer's still there. It's not like 100%, it's all done, it's all behind him. Yeah. Because um, it keeps him every day living in that place of gratitude and of impact. Wow. Lord, don't let us go to sleep. Don't let us coast. Yeah, okay. And, and, I mean, the perspective on that is really fascinating, right? Where a lot of people would take the news of cancer and turn it into a crutch. And he turned it into a, a something that was empowering. I just always find when people are able to do that with such devastating news, whether it be a disease or whatever it is, 
humble. Sure. You know, the brokenness that comes. Yeah, beautiful. That, it's beautiful. That, that like the fragrance. I mean, that brings the strength of will. Yeah. When you have nothing to lose and you know who, where everything comes from. I mean, that's how I want to live. Yeah. I mean, my prayer for 2019, I want to see the glory of the Lord. I want to see to believe that uh, the fire from the pillar of fire that got, led Israel, that's, that, that was Jesus, you know? I believe that was a shadow, that was a picture, that was a metaphor for what he wants to do. I want to, I want to see those type of signs. What, it, it, not, not because of the, I mean, not because of the results of them. I want to see that entire prison totally change because God is there, because Jesus is there. It's undeniable. People raised from the dead. I want to see those inmates, their shadow, heal people. I want to see Jesus just show up like he did on the day of Pentecost right there in the yard. Pentecost did not happen in four walls inside the upper room. 3,000 people don't fit in an upper room. Yeah. It happened in the temple courts during um, the feast of, uh, of um, the celebrating and the giving of the Torah, the living word, and um, at the morning prayers, which means that was one of the three feasts in Jerusalem, the three primary feasts, so the city swelled to million, I think, over a million people. Um, and at the temple courts, there would have been a hundred to two hundred thousand people there. Wow. And that's where the Jews would have been at that time. And in the midst of everybody, in front of everybody, the fire of God came. In full public view, I want. I want to see that happen. I want to see that happen on the yard when everybody's around at the most exciting game at halftime. Yeah. I want to see, I want Jesus to just show up with his presence, like in Pentecost, like you read about in the Bible and do what you read about happened in the Bible. Yeah. But I think along with that, as I've been praying that, I felt like the Lord say, Seeing his glory along with it reveals your own brokenness. That it doesn't matter that I never got caught. It doesn't matter that I'm, you know, never been in prison. I'm just going to pull over and take off my sweater real quick. Oh, you really, you really get hot. Yeah. Here, I'm sorry. No worries. I really get cold, so we're great. (laughs) We go back and forth on this. I had very high expectations for uh, how tonight would go in anticipation of hanging out with some of my favorite inmates. And uh, and then when Don texted me this morning and said, hey, somebody may need a ride, Are you, would you be available? Sure. He said, okay, his name's Ted, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'll get you guys connected. And I four or five years ago I was really antisocial uh, and I I probably would have come up with an excuse like oh I'm taking a half day of work so you know I'm going to be trying to get up 
near St. Quentin early and just find something to do around there. Um, but I, I've had some really cool encounters, but like there's a movie, a Jim Carrey movie called Yes Man. Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> I haven't like fully absorbed the way that he does in the movie. Well, I think that's a little over the top. Yeah, for <laughs> for obvious reasons. But there, I I the first time I watched that movie, I sat there recalling like, yeah, I first I think people lead far more interesting lives than they realize. They just never stop to consider the neat stuff that happens in their life. They're always focusing on other things other people are doing. And so they tend to dwell on that. And it's like, well, but your life's more exciting than you realize if you, if you just thought about it. To the same accord, my life could be more exciting if I was less antisocial and was willing to, to pick up somebody that... I may have played basketball with prior, but I mean, before picking you up, I didn't know if I'd ever met you before or not, but I knew I could help Don out and somebody else involved with a ministry that is far and away my favorite ministry I've ever done. Yeah. And then, you know, in hindsight, it was way better and had I've had a blast with the conversation than if I had just listened to the radio driving up and driving home, right? Wow, that's so cool. Oh, Jesus. She is like, seeing his glory is uh, also seeing our brokenness. But I'm just feeling right now, out of that just comes peace. Yeah. Just peace. Wow, the truth is, the, the truth, the reality is, they're our brothers. We're no better than them. Yep. And they're no worse than us. Yeah. Well, and so to that, my favorite moment of San Quentin sports this past year had nothing to do with the game I was playing in. I was standing out left field talking to, there's a bunch of uh, guys that I've known from when I used to go for basketball all the time, and then there's also some people that sit up in those tables adjacent to the basketball court there that are just friends of theirs that I have gotten to know because I knew the guys who I played basketball against, and, uh, and so... I always only ever play left field because I spend the entire time I'm out there talking with those guys during the game. And because, I mean, softball, you can do that and, yeah, yeah. and still be involved in yeah, the game, yeah, right? Because yeah, yeah. it's, it's a very slow-moving sport. And, um, and so I was talking to the, to the guys I knew, and there was a new guy up there who had just gotten into San Quentin four months prior or something like that. He was still trying to figure out where he fit in the whole scheme of things. And he was he was being uh, super 
super closed off. You're just some dumb cracker that I'm checking off a box on your I'm a good white boy list. Uh, you're just effing doing your church s blah blah blah. And the guys that I knew were just letting him go. And they were looking at me, they're just like, just just wait till he's done it and then just get him. And I was like, alright. And they were just letting him go. And so he finally finishes just trying to just cut me down as much as he possibly can. And, and when he finished, I was like, do you have anything else that you want to say? And he's like, I don't have nothing to say to you, dumbass white boy. And I just looked at him and I said, well, first of all, I've known these guys for almost 15 years now. I was like, bullshit. And they're like, no. He used to come up here for basketball until he had some health problems. But he's been coming up here for 15 years. I was like, well, good for you. That must make you feel so white and privileged and great. I was like, no. Because what I learned early on from the first time I came up for basketball and it's the reason I keep coming up here every chance I get there's no difference between you and I outside of skin color and circumstance whatever you did to get in here if I did the same thing I'm not gonna lie I would not get the same punishment you would It's not my fault that it's that way. But I also don't pretend to understand where you're at and where you come from. I'm not up here checking off a box to be good. I'm up here because I am called by my Savior to reach out to people. It's like, oh good, so you're going to spread the good word. I said, no. I'm just going to come hang out and love we're just up here. I'm playing softball. You guys are watching softball. If I was up for basketball, we'd just be playing basketball. It's not my job to convert you, dude. Whatever you think, I believe I'm here to treat you as I would treat myself. It's like, bullshit, you're a parent. Spread the word. You're up here to convert me. You have to convert so many people. No, I don't have to convert a single person. And praise the Lord for that. Because I would fail time and time again. Well, you, that's a pretty good conversation for an introvert. Yeah, well, I, well, I mean, I, the, but the people that I was with, I knew, right? And so, and the guy took me to task on, uh, I mean, he told he tried to tear me down as much as he possibly so, could. So how did it? I he he's like, you must feel so good right now. I said, no, because I don't feel like you at all believe me. I said, but you don't need to believe me. We'll be up the next time we're up here is this date, and then the following time is this date, and then next year I'll give you every single date that our team is scheduled to be here 
and you can tell me how many times I come up and how many times I blow it off. And 15 years from now, when I have made most, if not all of those times, hopefully it'll click in that thick head that I'm up here because I want to connect with you, not because I feel I have to be a cracker, good-ass white boy clicking off a box. And he just looked at me, and it's like, all right, white boy, let's see if you show up next time. I said, oh, I'll be here. The real question is, are you going to show up? And if you show up and I say the word Jesus, are you going to run away? Or are you going to sit there and go, maybe this guy legitimately does care about what he's up here to do? He's like, all right, if you're up here, let's find out. I was like, that's all I ask. The entire rest of the season, he and I had fantastic conversation and rarely did it ever focus on converting or what is it it mean to be a Christian. That's the real deal. Yeah. That's the real deal. And it's it's just... People can smell fake. Yeah. And by the time the softball season ended, I told the guy, I said, you know, my wife and I used to work with the high school. We mentored high school kids at our previous church for a long, long time. And, And we both really loved it. And we were both very good at it because we would hang out with the students that we were mentoring more than just Sunday at church and then Wednesday at midweek group. We would take them to movies. I would take them, the boys, to A's games and Warriors games. Oh, this is pretty good for an introvert. And uh, and, and so we, we found ways to connect with the kids we were mentoring. I said, and as much as I loved it, I would skip that every time it conflicted with coming up here. He's like, why? I said, because this is my favorite ministry. My parents fought a lot. My dad was abusive. Statistically, it would have been very easy for me to wind up here. And I'm very cognizant of the fact that by all society standards, I should be here. But for some reason, my savior... Your parents Christians? Um, sort of. I don't really know too much about my dad. He, uh, my parents split up when me and my brother were nine. Uh, and my, my dad was really... Your the same age as you? Yeah, we're identical twins. Wow. I love it. And then we have a sister who's three years older than us. And, uh... But my dad was really abusive, and so we have a lot of suppressed memories. Uh, We don't really remember a lot of our dad uh, from the time that my parents split up when we were nine. The previous couple years, we don't really remember a whole lot about it. other than it was just really rough and dark. When my parents eventually did split up, uh, we just wanted to live with our dad um, because we were boys. And, um, and we didn't really 
really see him a lot, even though we were living with him. He would write us a note and leave us some money every morning uh, when we were in sixth grade. And then uh, there would be food waiting for us when we got home from school. But we would have to get ourselves to bed every night. And then he would come home drunk and then pass out, whatever. So then my mom just kind of got tired of knowing that that was the situation. So then, and she had legal custody over us. So she made us move back in with her. Uh, she was living in Oregon at this time. Uh, so we moved from uh, Sonoma, Napa area, just north of San Francisco, up to Oregon. Uh, and then we never really saw our dad after that. We tracked down one summer in Oklahoma City. It was right after the federal building bombing there. Um, and so he contacted us to tell us, like, you know, the federal building blows up and you guys won't even call your dad. Blah, blah, blah. What is that all about? It's like, well, we didn't know who we were. So it's not that we didn't call you. It's we didn't know how to call you. Uh, so we, we flew out to visit him shortly after that bombing happened. And he worked... Uh, almost the entire time we were out there. So then we left early to come back to home with our mom. And then uh, we tracked him down a couple years later in Arkansas or somewhere. And then uh, we didn't hear from him for a good seven or eight years. And then when we did hear uh, about him, it was that he had died parents sent us a invitation to his funeral. Uh, my now wife and I had just recently started dating, so she joined us, which I, I'm glad she joined us now because it, it's absurd what had happened. We drove up to the funeral for, for our dad. Uh, the address his parents gave us was wrong. Uh, we were able to talk to people in the town to figure out uh, where we needed to go. And uh, we got there and it, it looked like a sham of a funeral, like that they had done a funeral, realized they forgot to invite his children. So they put together a fake funeral to invite us and gave us the wrong address. Uh, so we got there and it was just this weird whatever it was. Um, and, and that's why I say I'm glad that my now wife was there because she can vouch for just how fake it all was. Um, and it's just weird stuff. Um, and so like statistically, you know, should you have... So your outlet was sports. Yeah. Oh, for yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, and, and I always tell everyone I'm so thankful that I'm an identical twin because we always had somebody because we were always together. Um, I don't know how my sister did it, not having somebody. Uh, she was very always very close to my mom. Um, 
but me and my brother took to sports very, very early on. Um, one, to stay away from the abuse. Two, to try to earn favor uh, through performance, right? And then three, just it became an outlet. Um, and so, like, when I got the blood clots and I couldn't do contact sports, it became like really difficult to deal with uh, emotionally and psychologically because that was always my outlet and now it was being taken away from me. Um, and so then when I got diabetes and it changed the medicine, I now tell everyone that diabetes to me is a godsend because it's possibly my avenue back to playing basketball. Uh, and so like, uh, my, my first go about it is going to be uh, February or March whenever my work week starts up. And I'm super nervous about it because if my body can't, like for a long time, it's always been, I, I may still be able to do it, I just don't know, but I haven't tried, so there's still the hope that I can do it, whereas pretty, coming up pretty soon, I'm going to try, and if I can't do it, it'll be really tough for me to accept, um, but I also have other sports I can play, so it's not going to be like super damaging. It's just, basketball was always my outlet for everything. Because I, you know, you can always, you only need one person. Feeling it, bro. And then you just need a basketball, right? And a hoop, and you can play basketball. Um, so you, you know the physical, I mean, it's not simple. But you know the physical breakdown of your body is related to the trauma. Yeah.
it's not about um, revealing it and seeing it, but you know, you gotta face it for it to be pulled out. I mean, that trauma. Yeah, I mean, I, I there have been times where, like, my wife will ask me, like, well, what about, like, what was your family like, yada yada, during this time? I'm like, I, I, I don't know, like, you know, we went on one vacation when I was in second grade, and the only thing I remember of it, we went to Mexico, the only thing I remember of the whole week we were in Mexico was my parents getting into a big fight, and my dad just driving to the airport and leaving, uh, and then my mom, a day or two later, realizing that she couldn't handle three young kids, no older than eight, uh, by herself in a foreign country, so we had to end our vacation early. Um, <clears throat> she's like, well, but what else do you remember about the trip? I'm like, nothing. It's like, it's all, like, buried down. So, there, I, I've spent a lot of time, you know, just in the privacy of my own time. You know, Lord, just, I, I don't, you tell me if you need to recall the thoughts or the imagery or whatever uh, that I don't understand but what what I'm asking of you Lord can you at least help me to to not have to be burdened by the idea that I don't remember some of this stuff and it, if you need to confront the actual however it happened with the imagery and thoughts and all that if that's what needs to happen then that's what needs to happen but all I'm really asking is that I just don't I don't want to be burdened by the thought of it by the uncertainty of it I, I don't well, want at it a different way. This is what I'm sensing right now. I mean, no, I mean this. Sure. that's beautiful. This is a re- I mean, this is really cool. There's a reason guys are crazy Christians. Yeah, <laughs> went through some things. To me, it's like um, um, when you're weak, he is strong. Uh huh. And I believe you know the, the transformation of of Sam Clinton. What I'm dreaming about, what I'm speaking about, is going to come through our own transformation. And look at what you've done up till now. You know, it's like uh, Bill Johnson said something so profound. The Father rewards good works with pruning, cutting. And what if out of this, what if there's a healing that you need to come to? You know, and it's not about healing so that we can be, you know, it's about showing his glory and appropriating it in our own lives. You know, you need to be a whole person so you can be better, so you can be healthy, so that you can be there for your kids. You know, that that's that's all very, very important. Jesus loves you as much as he loves the inmates that we talk to. Yep. But what if out of this brokenness can come a revelation of Jesus, the healer? Do we know Jesus, the healer? not just know that he healed those people then but he's alive and heals us now 
what if out of this, I mean, that's my prayer, Lord, out of this, out of our brokenness, out of my friend Michael's brokenness, Lord, just flow through him, Lord, Lord, wow, to do even more, even more, Lord God, your power, Lord, that, yes, Lord, there is so much more, man, you know, we think, it's, we always think signs, wonders, and, I mean, I have always thought signs, wonders, and miracles, like, really cool stuff, like, yeah, yeah flash, flash, sure. you know, and I don't think of it that way anymore. It's just, you need a word that works. You know? This is the word that works. This will work for you. Yeah. Not only in, in transforming you internally, but God cares about that whole, the whole slew of stuff. He cares about our sickness. Yeah. Lord, I pray that you give Michael out of his brokenness. The physical is one side, but him a revelation of God as his father it can only come Lord God out of out of pain Lord Lord show him the real purpose of this Lord and more we're just asking for more you've already done so much Lord Lord wow and I'm so glad I came tonight <laughs> and, I, and I I mean I look at where my life was and just kind of how it's gone and and like the totality of it all I look at and I rarely do I consider the trials that I've had to go through because I look at how much I've been blessed with and I look at so many crazy amazing experiences and opportunities that he's given me and even something as simple as my firstborn child which I wanted nothing more than to be a son for a lot of obvious reasons and it was a daughter and when we went to the doctor's appointment where they were going to tell us the gender and I mean, they, they asked, do you guys have any hope? And my wife's like, well, yeah, I really want a daughter. And I know he really wants a son. And they looked at me and I was like, yeah, no, I mean, like, we both know where we're at on this. I don't think it's a, a shock for either one of us to think that. And the doctor, the, the nurse was like, well, but so what if it's a daughter? And I was like, then it's a daughter. It's my first child. That doesn't change anything. And my wife was like, yeah, I'm not going to be disappointed at all if it's a son. Uh, and then they, they, you know, told us it was going to be a daughter. And the nurse looked at me. And she's like, I stared at you the entire time because I wanted to see that moment of disappointment. And my wife's like, what, what did he show? He is so excited. I was like, yeah, it's my first child. I have a preference. I That doesn't mean I'm disappointed. And then she was born on my birthday. Wow. And oh, man. It's, it's like the greatest thing ever. And wow. then we had... A, Nobody, I don't see how you can watch a child be born. 
Thank and you. not believe in God. It's like the most profound. Yeah. children. Every single one of those inmates has a story. God looks at them with a love greater than when you look at your daughter. Oh, I know. That's not a car. That's a family. Yeah. Lord Jesus. Fill us with your love. The crazy amount of amazing things he puts into our everyday lives each and every single day is just staggering and and that's what I try to convey to my brother that it you know you can dislike organized religion that doesn't mean you can't <laughs> accept all the amazing stuff in your life I have a pastor friend of mine he says oh come to our church if you hate organized religion come to our church we are so disorganized you will love it awesome (laughs) yeah that's great Who were 
living in Los Gatos, got all the money in the world, and they're worse, more miserable than those inmates. So, Michael, say a prayer for anyone listening to this. You know, Lord, we we just reach out to to who's ever listening, who's ever seeking for for your hand of compassion, for your hug of just some love that they may need, you know, however however this world is treating them that they don't understand, Lord, that you do understand, and not only do you understand it, you have a plan, and you are ready for, for who's ever wanting to, to come to you, they, they don't need to get their lives in order, they don't need to end any particular sin, they just, they just need to come to you and say, Lord, I need you, just as I come to you every day and say, Lord, I'm struggling, and I need you, I, I need you to, to take this burden off of me, um, there, there's just nothing that my boss can do, my coworkers, my neighbors, the, the bills, the debt, it, it can't control me when you are right there by my side Lord whoever else out there they just need to say I recognize your authority Lord that you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins I I acknowledge that and I I give my life to you, Lord, and I, I'm ready to follow you, and I'm willing to accept the responsibility of my sins and commit, commit my life to you, Lord. Yeah. time to 
together. Me too. And share this experience. And I'm so excited about 2019. Wow. God bless you. And I, that's where I, I just... It's right uh, here. That is it. I look at my brother. And it's just, like... Yeah. Stop it. You can not recognize it. But he had a, a car breakdown on purpose. So that we would write up together and we'd say these prayers and record yeah. this podcast yeah. so that you could hear it <laughs> so that you could be touched and surrender to Jesus and he'll change everything yeah I think that's a good ending I do too